0: This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm so glad you found us. If you're new to the podcast, I encourage you, however, to pause where you are and go all the way back to episode one. As you know, being a traveler or an expat is all about the journey. And we think you'd get more out of this journey if you start at the beginning. If you've been a longtime supporter of the show, spread the word, tell a friend. And without further ado, today's episode... Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life, with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello. Hey, coming down. It's the first sound I hear every morning. The garbage truck going past. (laughs) Uh, This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And we are up at the crack of dawn, standing in the middle of an empty square that's never empty because no one else is awake yet.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've... We're in Piazza Santa Maria in Trastevere, which is the central square of our neighborhood, and I don't think I've ever seen it so empty. It's kind of nice. There's
0: a guy sleeping over there. He's not up yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the garbage man, I just wanted to record that before we actually move on to our location. What we're doing today is giving you a picture of what it's like when this city wakes up. And since we were standing here and a garbage man happened to pull up, that's the, literally the first thing I hear every morning. And if I can record these birds that are above us, they're the second thing I hear. We might have to catch them closer to the bridge, perhaps, but they make this screeching sound as they uh, hunt first thing in the morning. So we'll try to capture them, too. All right. Well, we're walking on. We're going to try to find some, I don't know, lively square where things happen slowly.
1: Sounds good. <laughs>
0: okay. I recorded that sound. That's a, What is that the sound of? Uh, can you guess, listener? No. It's very <laughs> familiar here in Rome. That is the sound of what, Tiffany? That is the sound of a rolling suitcase
1: Uh, being dragged over cobblestones.
0: Yes, the tourists arriving first thing in the morning. This was me uh, at the beginning of the year. Or departing. Or departing. These people look like they're arriving.
1: Do they? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, they're looking for their apartment, I would guess, or their hotel. This
0: is another sound that you wouldn't think that you'd hear first thing in the morning, but I hear almost every single day. So there must be uh, a few flights that arrive daily into Rome, probably around 5 in the morning (laughs) or something like that, giving them time to get picked up by a taxi and then dropped off and walked to their hotels.
1: Yeah, I guess guess so. It seems early to me, but, but I suppose it must. All right, moving on.
0: So these are actually my favorite birds in Rome, I think. Do you know what kind of birds they are? I believe they're swallows. Okay, but they're different than the swallows in my hometown. They are blue colored here, whereas in my hometown, I believe that they are more of a green shiver to them. So that's kind of interesting. So maybe they're slightly different, but they are known for their quick acrobatics, <laughs> how closely they can fly to the ground, which they don't do in Rome very much, but they can fly incredibly close to the ground if they want to, and they're great little bug eaters. So, whenever they're really excited, like they are right now, I always think to myself, overnight
1: hatching of mosquitoes? (laughs) I hope so. I (laughs) hope they got rid of those mosquitoes.
0: It's pretty fun to watch them. And they're really loud here. Really loud. And there's tons of them. I mean, look up. How many birds do you think there are right
1: now? A hundred? Probably. Still not as many as the starlings. That's true. The starlings we get in, what was that, October? October, October, November, November. November yes. and that migration of the starlings is, is insane. Thousands and thousands and thousands of birds. Another morning sound. Moving on. So we're at Campo de Fiori Market right now. I don't know if you you listened to the episode we did on sound a while back, and we came here as they were shutting down this market and getting rid of it and cleaning it up and now of course it's all being set up as we speak and there's already some people in business uh selling their wares we've got a pretty pretty amazing selection of fresh fruit and vegetables and meats and cheeses jams honeys pasta it's a pretty great market if you visit rome you have to come here
0: i think it's so interesting actually something i've been thinking about on various walks is that how many people here including every vendor in this square set up every day and take it down every day and i mean look at this stand right here there must be like 3000 little tiny jars that he has lined up perfectly but of course he just did that this morning first thing this morning
1: yeah and he'll have to do it again tomorrow and the next day i, I never thought about that
0: and then he'll have to put it all in boxes and have it out of here by 3 p.m. this afternoon so I mean, to line up that many jars, how time do you think you got
1: here in the morning? I mean, right now it's about eight, so... He probably got here around... F- I think they start setting up about five. And he's,
0: five, and he's still five, not five, done. He has a whole half of his. See if yeah, no, whole sides go. He's got
1: three sides, maybe four. Actually, yeah, there's one on the back, too. So, yes, he's about halfway done. Oh, brother. But it's so interesting. Um,
0: there are so many people here in Rome that make their living on temporary spaces. Spaces that they don't actually own. They sell clothes, they sell fruit, they sell covers for your phone, they sell sunglasses, umbrellas. And every single day it's set it up, take it down, set it up, take it down. I know, it's a lot of work. And I think that I have a lot to do in the morning. No, actually, I don't think
1: I have anything to do in the morning. But usually, until this year, you did. You had to read like five newspapers every morning, right?
0: Well, yeah, or more. But it's funny, actually, when you suggested that we meet this morning at 7, 7.30, I was like, okay, sure, no problem. The alarm went off. Boy, I realized I used to have to be at work at that time. And now, oh my gosh, do I already have to wake up? <laughs> this is crazy. So this is what we do for our valued listener (laughs) that's you by the way and it's a Saturday too I know so maybe I wonder if it's even quieter this morning than it normally would be by this time of the day oh I'm sure it is I'm sure it is well let's see let's wander on let's see what else we can find Look at this, That everybody's just half set up. We can't even get through here.
1: There's a giant box of bananas. and Over here we have, uh, I know you can't see this, sorry, but there's um, there's a selection of figs sitting very artfully decorated in, in amongst their, fig, their own leaves, the fig leaves, you know, classic fig leaf, which they used to put over the genitals of the ancient Roman statues. They're sitting here and just temptingly waiting for us to buy some, and Katie has never had a fresh fig before. It's true. And it's one of my favorite fruits. I'm going to say it's probably up there with raspberries and peaches for me, like my, my favorite, favorite fruits. So I think we're going to need to get some.
0: Okay. Let's get some. <laughs> okay. All right. You should take a picture of them too. I think
1: I will. Well, we can share I'll it. I'll post this on Twitter. If you, if, you, if you want to go to my Twitter account, I'll, maybe I'll repost some of these pictures when we, uh, when we actually air this uh, episode so you can see some of the things we're seeing. Yeah,
0: and what's your Twitter account? It's the Pines of Rome. Very easy. All right, take a picture, we'll buy some figs, and uh, we'll check in once we have them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so we're still at Campo di but we're back at that, all those jars that we were talking about where they're still setting up their stand. Thousands and thousands of little jars of spices and... and Honeys
1: and... uh, They've got like pate and olive oil,
0: all sorts of stuff. We also thought we might ask the guy how long it takes him to set up in the morning. Yeah, And I'm relying on you to do it. Careful. Scusa. (laughs) Sorry, I'm in the way with a microphone.
1: Una curiosità. Quanto tempo ci vuole a mettere tutto questo ogni mattina? (laughs) Allora, adesso. alle sette e mezza. 9.5, Allora, vi metto dentro in quattro, si famo veloce, si può Ogni mattina e poi ogni sera di nuovo. Wow. C'era bega quando chiudere se io le porto, però quando l'aprire c'ho un po' di Ho capito. Devo fare tutta ammostrazione. Sì, sì. Grazie. So he said that if they're fast, they could do it between 7:30 and 9:15. If they're fast. And then uh, at the end of the day, it's a little bit faster because they don't have to make everything so perfect. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's a long time. That's a yeah, that's a lot of time of you know not actually quote unquote working. I mean, yes, you obviously it's work, but you're not selling anything, so you're not producing.
0: Mm-hmm. But he, uh, these guys are doing it too, little pyramids. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, should we
1: do you want to move on to a different square? Yeah, let's go wash our figs so that we can tr- so you can try your fig. Okay. We've got our figs washed and we're going to head to Piazza Farnese now, which is probably one of the most beautiful piazzas in Rome and we're going to sit on the big bench that runs along the edge of the magnificent palace there and we're going to eat our figs.
0: And I may or may not like them. But you were just She's saying, like you were just saying to me that if um, if you didn't
1: have to go to a job every morning, how do you think your life would be different? Well, beyond the fact that I wouldn't have to deal with my horrible commute. And just to clarify, I don't, I'm just not like, I don't want to work. I would just like to work from home, to be honest. If I could work from home and sort of make my own hours, I think I would get up every morning early and take a walk through the center of Rome as it's waking up. Because it really is an incredibly, it's a magical time in the city, you know, it's It's not as crowded. If it's summer, the air is kind of still cool. And it's just great to see, you know, the city wake up. Yeah, and it does have a
0: different pace to it. I was thinking as we walked out of um, Campo de Fiore that as we were walking out, I saw my first two tourists walk in. And I hadn't noticed any yet this morning. Except, I mean, we saw those people bringing their bags in. But Mm -hmm. other than that, so, I mean, it really is the people of the city setting up before
1: the visitors come and before the busyness of the day gets started. Yeah, it's almost like if you could go back in time and visit Rome before it was a major tourist attraction. And okay, you can't really do that because Rome has been a major tourist attraction since the beginning of time. But, you know, let's say before the advent of mass travel, the city wasn't, there weren't more tourists in the city than residents. (laughs) Um, You know, it's impossible to do that today because people travel here all throughout the year. But yeah, if you get up early, there's not very many. They're all in
0: their hotels having breakfast. That's right. Another thing I really love about being up this early, now that my time is coming to a close I'm doing more and more is getting up early instead of starting my day in the middle of the day. It's a quieter pace because this is a very busy city. A very fast-paced, people even walk fast. They
1: drive fast, like they that? walk fast. Oh, yeah. I feel like people walk slowly. Like, I'm always stuck behind two people on a sidewalk who are walking side by side, and I can't get past them, and they're, like, walking so slow. Well, that's true. But
0: that's that's totally true. But at the same time, you are walking fast. There's other people around you who are walking fast. So it does have this kind of fast movement, stymied <laughs> movement all the time. Yeah.
1: No, especially if you're around a tourist
0: attraction. Then it's, like, chaos. All right, we are, we are here. We're in Piazza Farnese now. There are... There's very few people here. You can hear the fountain here all Sort time. Very far in the distance there. Now Seagulls, which are the bird that Tiffany says has no sense because they don't know when to go to bed at night.
1: Uh, and a couple of guards and that's about yeah, it this is, this is the site of the French embassy and so there's some guards who may or may not be French, they've got berets on so that, you know <laughs> my stereotypical <laughs> imagination of, of Frenchman. but anyway they're looking at us very suspiciously because we, we look like we're interviewing a fig <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany has
0: a fig in hand ready to eat it, how do you eat a fig? you just bite it to the outside? Mm-hmm.
1: oh, it's oh so my good. gosh,
0: they look, they look so gross though, I have to say
1: Well, they taste good. Just do it. They look
0: like the Sarlacc monster when you... You know who that is? I don't know who that is. (laughs) All right, I'm going to
1: try it. Okay. Go for it. The inside is what tastes better. I have to be honest, these are not the best figs I've ever had. There's probably better figs out there. But these aren't bad. What do you think? It's very odd. You don't like it. No, it's
0: not that I don't like it. I do like it.
1: Let it grow on you. (laughs) You got to eat the whole thing. Hers is very small. It's about the size of a plum.
0: Oh, brother. You're just like my mom.
1: <laughs> All right, well, uh, so we don't make people
0: eat, hear us eat figs the whole time, I'm going to uh, stop this for a moment. Should I stop this for a moment, yes. or do you want them to no, hear? No, Should stop. I record you eating that no, whole fig? No. no. <laughs> okay,
1: we'll be right back. We're in Piazza Navona now, which is probably one of the most beautiful piazzas in Italy, if not the world. We're standing in front of a fountain, the Fountain of the Moor, it's called. There's a couple of tourists around, just a few, and a few cars every once in a while, but it's pretty empty, considering that this square, if you come around 7 p.m., you can barely walk through it, especially with A, tour groups, and B, people trying to sell you stuff.
0: 7 p.m., even try 1 p.m. or 10 a.m. even. It's going to be so crowded in here. It's actually kind of nice right now because usually this square is completely exposed to the sun. And right now half of it is in the shade. Mm -hmm. Very comfortable. It's it's a, it's a, it adds something. It it makes it feel like it's the early morning, I guess. Like the coolness of the early morning. Because Italy year round, you guys like to say that you have a winter, but it's pretty warm here all the time.
1: Well, we had an exceptionally mild winter this year. One week of cold weather and the rest of the time was like, 40 degrees 45 50 degrees
0: tough life yeah but sometimes it gets worse now see this is early morning pigeon action that's going on right here watch the one that's taking a bath right now in the fountain (laughs) hang on let's see if we can record it Uh, i don't know if i can he's getting ready to dive in under the uh things here i'll take a picture okay You can't hear the bird, but you can hear the, f- the fountain. I always say that <clears throat> the birds in Rome are the most hydrated, most clean birds in the world because there's so much water everywhere.
1: Yeah. Oh, here comes a seagull. He's going to do the same thing. He's drinking. Uh, now this uh, this fountain, um, I don't, you might be familiar with it, but on the left side, there's actually all around it, but there's a specific section on the left. Faces of men spurting water into the lower basin, and there's two. Figures on either side, they look kind of like a cross between a dragon and a horse, a pegasus. Yeah, it's it's a mythological animal, clearly. And these two animals on either side have the muzzle of their mouth, of their face, sticks out quite a ways. And about three or four years ago, very early in the morning, earlier even than than now, probably around 7 a.m., a man came into the square and I don't know, he must have had some kind of weapon in his hand, but he went over this little railing where we're standing behind which you can't go past. He walked right into the fountain and he hacked off the <coughs> muzzles, or the mouths and noses, of these two animals. And you can see the crack going down the side. Mm-hmm. But he left them, he didn't take them with him, it was just a random act of vandalism. They've been repaired, but they were, for several weeks those things were cut off. Hmm, I wonder why. I know, the same guy <laughs> would, like, later that day went to Piazza Navona, uh, went to, sorry, went to Trevi Fountain and picked up a loose cobblestone out of the ground and threw it at the Trevi Fountain, but didn't manage to damage it, luckily. Well,
0: you see so many statues here that are missing part of their face, and you often wonder, is that time, or is that time and vandalism combined? I think the
1: latter. Yeah, I mean, I think this happened recently. Most of the time, you know, we're talking about things that happened in the Middle Ages. But when you see so many statues without noses, it's got to, you know, it's got to be because they were pushed over onto their faces or their noses were just hacked off, I think. Because sometimes, you know, you'll have like other parts that stick out just as much and they're fine. Yeah, like ears. or. Yeah, exactly.
0: There's a lot of examples of vandalism in Rome that happened in the 1500s where somebody's written their name on the wall or or something like that, and you come across it, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy wrote his name on the wall. Does vandalism become more charming once uh, a few hundred years have gone by?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think more than charming, I think it's just historically interesting. Why? Well, the vandalism that you're talking about, I think I know what you mean, which is the vandalism that happened in 1527 during the sack of Rome when German soldiers came into Rome under Emperor Charles V to attack the city. It's a very historic moment. I mean, it's something like 28,000 Romans were murdered and countless people were tortured and raped. And it was a horrible, horrible time. The, the Pope had to go into hiding and it really changed Rome. It actually, some historians would argue that that was the unofficial end of the, of the Renaissance, that after that, that was just it. The Renaissance couldn't go on after that, and not in Italy. And so it's a historically interesting moment. And then when you see a physical reminder of it like that, I think it makes it fascinating. It makes it interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. So what for all the graffiti in Rome, the current graffiti, because Rome has a graffiti problem. Yeah. A lot of major cities in the world have a graffiti problem.
1: I think Italy has an exceptionally bad one. For
0: that to become interesting, something horrible would need to happen. I suppose. I guess not, because then what is it evidence of? The people doing the horrible
1: things would have to leave it. I don't know. I mean, I think that I mean, we've talked about before, like I think on a previous podcast we talked about what people leave behind and oh will my letters be interesting to future generations life is different now than it was in the 1500s in the 1500s there were not that many places to record things for posterity you know you had to a be able to write and b have you know some kind of means that, of something that was going to last you could write letters but they might not survive whereas now in the digital age everything that we do is going to survive so there's no more need for that kind of that kind of documentation because we have so many other types of documentation and excess so i don't think that graffiti w- i mean i don't know maybe i'm i mean
0: there still is that i was here thing that people want to leave behind i'm thinking of the tradition all over rome and actually in a lot of different places in italy i believe in venice as well where visitors leave a lock locked to a bridge with mm-hmm. their names written on it mm-hmm. and so that there are hundreds and thousands of locks locked all over the city that have no keys anywhere in the country?
1: Well, the keys are in the river.
0: Oh, is that what it
1: is? Mm-hmm. It started with a film, an Italian film. I can't remember the name of the film. Maybe L'Ultimo Baccio? Maybe? But correct me if I'm wrong. But it started with an Italian film on a bridge in Rome called the Ponte Milvio, which is a really historic bridge north of the city. And the two lovers in this film they took a lock, they wrote their initials on it, they locked it onto a chain on the bridge, they turned around and they threw the key behind them into the river. And this was signifying that their love would last forever. And it became this huge trend in Italy and then it started spreading. And now it's all over Europe. I don't know in the, if it's arrived in the States, but there are bridges, you go to bridges and there's just thousands of locks all over them.
0: In some ways that's, I was here.
1: I'm ways. leaving a piece
0: of myself here. Yeah, I think I should do that before I leave. If you, yeah, if you want
1: to, yeah, you you and your husband could do that. That would be kind of cute. Should we put it in a spot that you walk past on a regular basis? I think you should put it on the Ponte Sisto because that's the bridge closest to where you guys and where we also live, and it's a bridge that I cross regularly, so why don't you put it there? I'll think about it. I'll think about it. (laughs) Just know that they might take it down because every so often when it gets to be excessive, they just rip all those locks off and throw them away. Into the river, I hope. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, that's so unromantic. But as we sort of are walking now um, north, northwards in Piazza Navona, we were talking earlier uh, when we were eating our figs about... <laughs> Which were very good, by the way. Yes, she's a convert. About things that have happened to us in the early morning on, when we were traveling. Yeah, because the early
0: morning often has sort of a special quality to it. The late in the evening has it as well, but since we're up at the crack of dawn, we thought we'd talk about the early morning. So what stands
1: out? I have two early, early morning stories. They both happen in India. One is when I first arrived, I got off of the plane and it was early. It arrived excessively early in the morning, so I actually had to sit in the airport for a couple of hours because I was afraid to go out at that time. And I was in southern India in a town called Trivandrum, which is very south of the country. And I was on my way to an ashram to do some yoga. And finally I felt like it was late enough in the morning, like 5.30 or something, that I could wander out. And I got a taxi, and it was very, very dark out. And we were driving through the countryside because I was on my way to this ashram. And it was just starting to get light. All of a sudden I looked over, and right outside the window of the cab was a boy with an elephant <laughs> just walking down the street. Wow, I'm not in Italy
0: anymore. That's awesome. That's, what about you? That's so wonderful. Uh, you know, that just reminded me of a totally different story, which maybe I shouldn't relate because it doesn't really relate. But <laughs> in the middle of the night once I was driving home, it was in Seattle, and um, I also <laughs> encountered a line of elephants. and Where? they were holding. They were walking. Uh, right down along a n- normally busy road that had been blocked off. They were holding each other's tails, walking <laughs> in a row. Turns out it was about 4, 3 in the morning, and it was the Barnum and Bailey Circus coming to town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Anyway>. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a good story. It's a good memory. Now we're passing by many of Piazza Navona's famous cafes, and they're setting up, they're putting up their umbrellas and setting up their tables. By the way, if you do come to Rome, don't... Don't stop at any of the cafes in Piazza Navona because they're really overpriced. It's a beautiful square, so sit on a bench, get an ice cream nearby, and enjoy it. But I would generally avoid the cafes and restaurants. Just a little tip from, from me.
0: Oh, look. This looks like they're going to have a wedding today. Maybe.
1: Uh, maybe. I think that's just how they, how this restaurant always looks. Huh. Hmm. Maybe it seems I'm like wrong. a little overdone
0: if it's how it always yeah, looks. All of, the chairs,
1: all of the chairs in this one restaurant are covered in cloth. I don't know what those things, chair, chair, chair covers, covers. Slip, slip covers, slip covers, I don't think it's a wedding. It doesn't look clean enough. The slip covers look very dirty. Like they've <laughs> been, like they're a little worse for wear. There are some flesh flowers, but they're not anything special. So I think it's just, I think that's just how this place, it looks it like, okay, itself. it's like Easter exploded on the, on the place. <laughs> I have another morning travel story also in India. This one was a little bit frightening to me. Hang on, let me switch sides. Okay. A little frightening to you? A little bit frightening. Um. I was on my way on this overnight bus to this city. I didn't know which stop was mine, and I was asking the people on the bus, I'm looking for Via de Coronati, by the way. I can never remember where it is. Um, it's probably like seven in the morning, but it's pitch black. I'm asking, you know, the bus driver, I'm asking other people, like, is this a stop? I need to go to this hotel. There's a guy with a tuk-tuk, which they, that's what they call them in India, uh, the, the little three-seater. It's like a motorcycle in the front and two seats in the back, you know? Uh, And I couldn't figure out if that was actually my stop or if the driver of the bus and the driver of this tuk-tuk were in cahoots to try to, like, basically scam me by telling me that this was the stop when really it was quite far away, but I would have to pay a lot to this tuk-tuk driver. This is the problem with India, is that you always constantly feel like you're being scammed. Like, you, you know, Some people would say that's the problem with Italy too. It's worse in India. As bad as it is in India, is in Italy, it's, it's way worse in India because you feel like you can't trust anyone. I was worried enough to think that I was gonna miss my stop if I didn't get off, so I just got off. I got in this tuk-tuk driver's little car. And we took off, and slowly, 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 the light is coming up. That's a good sound. It's a grocery store delivery cart being pulled away. And all of a sudden, I look out the window, all of a sudden, I see all of these men running. They're all in uniform. And the driver says, yes, that's the Indian Army. They're out exercising. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we carry on, and then apparently somebody from the Army knew the driver that I was with. And he just runs up to the tuk-tuk, and he gets in, and he's got a huge rifle in his hand with me. And, I mean, I just (laughs) felt so vulnerable, so incredibly vulnerable, but nothing happened. But it was scary. Well, you know, you're not used to being around large
0: rifles. (laughs)
1: No, in your
0: (laughs) vicinity. See, and another thing in the early morning, if a whole bunch of tourists had been around, they probably would have been less cavalier. Exactly. Or I wouldn't have been as scared. Yeah, maybe so. Well, now we've really entered a silent area.
1: This is one of my favorite streets in Rome. It's called Via dei Coronari. For being a very old road, because this road dates back at least to the Middle Ages, it's surprisingly straight and long. Most of the streets in Rome that were built before the late 1800s are very narrow. They're crooked. They don't They don't go in a straight line. They change names after two blocks. They're just very higgledy-piggledy. But this street is very long and very straight. And it was one of the routes that pilgrims used to take to get towards St. Peter's. We're basically at the north end of Piazza Navona, where it starts. If you take it all the way towards the east, you eventually get to the river, Sant'Angelo Bridge. You cross the bridge, and you're not far from the Vatican. So this was one of the only straight main routes that people used to take to get to the Vatican. Well, it's called Via dei Coronari, because the shopkeepers took advantage of the pilgrims, and they used to sell rosaries on the street. And rosary in Italian is, you can call it a rosario, but you can also call it a corona, which literally means a crown, but they use that word as well for a rosary. So coronari literally means rosary maker. So this is the street of the rosary makers because all the pilgrims are headed to the Vatican they need rosaries and so they took advantage of that. And now it's this street the most important street for antique shops. And so you can buy very expensive stuff on the street. You can buy like a giant dining room table made of marble. You can buy a crystal chandelier or Murano glass chandelier. You can buy an entire silver tea set. I mean just it's very expensive. Nobody and we stress. Th- you can buy if you have the <laughs> you money. You can <laughs> buy. We, <I> mean, <laughs> we can't buy any of this stuff. But I mean, the sad thing is, though, that with the with the world economy as it is, a lot of these shops have had to close, and they're turning into tourist shops, which is is horrible. But on the other hand, it's kind of ironic as well because that's what this street really originally was was a shop for touri- a street for tourists. Yes. So
0: once again, the visiting pilgrims are. Yeah, they just don't sell rosaries
1: anymore now. They sell magnets and maps and pictures of the Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Is there another, I mean, all of the streets have interesting names. Street names are my secret passion. I love street names. Toponomastica, it's called in English or in Italian, which is the study of place names. And on my blog, the Pines of Rome. I talk about street names a lot, and I think I, I think I did a post about this street. I'm not sure, actually, but I've done a lot of posts about weirdly named streets, like the Street of the Marble Foot and the Street of the Baboon and the Street of the Pine Cone, and obviously those are the English translations. But yeah. Street of the Baboon is a good one. Also, good shopping on that street if you have money.
0: Well, we're getting a, a, a little long in the teeth of this podcast, and uh, actually with the morning as well. I have no idea what time it is, but I can tell by what the sun looks like on these buildings that it's definitely later. Yes, it's, it's 9.30. I just checked. Oh, see? We've been out and about for a while. Look, the garbage is all collected here. It's, it's getting on. And now I'm seeing tourists everywhere. Yeah, I think we better leave it there. We better leave it there. Thank you for joining us in the early morning of Rome. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you again. We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com.